0: An impious college professor had posted in large letters on his wall, on the wall of his office, a prayer. And reading that prayer gave me pause as a young student and a young preacher. The prayer said, Lord, save me from things done in thy name. It took me aback because even at a young age, I realized that religion can get sick. And sick religion has been responsible for a lot of suffering in the world. And my wary professor simply wanted no part of that. That prayer was there as if to say, don't come in here and abuse me verbally or otherwise, just let me be. I believe that when Jesus cleanses the temple on that memorable date long ago, that it is an act of prophetic outrage against sick religion. In John's gospel, Jesus accuses the sellers and the money changers of turning his father's house into a house of commerce, into a marketplace. And this accusation goes deeper than deeds of indignity or indecency, it goes to the very heart of what is supposed to happen in a place of worship. This is to be a space in which people experience God in a mystical sense and in a relational sense. But instead, it has become a marketplace in which would-be worshipers are led to think that they can deal with God in some sort of transactional way. The temple, with all of its buying and selling of sacrificial animals and the exchange of, of currencies, all of this has gotten out of hand. It has turned praying and giving into an impersonal process of paying for goods and services, which in this case are thought to be God and God's favor. And what's happening here in Jerusalem is something that happens in many ways, in many places. One of the most notorious examples, of course, is what happened in the days of Martin Luther when the church was selling indulgences. You'll remember that in those days, the church, was try- the, the, the church was trying to build a great cathedral. And one of its fundraisers for building the cathedral was to sell indulgences. It was to tell folks that they could buy their dead relatives' way into heaven. And the saying then was, When the coin in the coffer rings, the soul from purgatory springs. Now, that's crazy. That's sick. That's abusive. And one of the reasons we have a Protestant church is because that was happening. Transactional religion is always sick. It is always abusive. But it's not always so businesslike. More often, it is wrapped up in moralism. It is wrapped up in legalism. an approach to God which says, if you do this, God will do that. If you do this, God is obligated to do that. Transactional religion is any religion that makes us determinative of what God feels and what God does. Transactional religion is any religion that substitutes a transaction... For a relationship with God, it is a quid pro quo approach to God in which something is exchanged for God's favor, be it money, time, or a checked-off list of do's and don'ts. And in the hands of powerful people, transactional religion can lead to great abuse. It leads to the exploitation of the weak, and it can lead and does lead always to inevitable disappointment. For it is a false bargain. When we're not so sure of ourselves, when when we suffer from lack of self-esteem or self-confidence, then we fall prey to those who heap requirements upon us Expensive requirements, which they say must be met before God will favor us. If we're more confident, then we will be trying to figure out how to get as much as possible for as little as possible. We will be bargaining with God. We'll be saying to ourselves, well, how, how little can I do? How little can I give? And still, God favor me. The problem with this, of course, is that it's not gospel. The gospel is another matter altogether. The gospel is that we don't have to do anything to make God favor us. Indeed, we cannot do anything to cause God to favor us more than God already does. The gospel is that God favors us apart from anything we do or don't do. Because you see, grace is how God feels about us. And grace is what God does for us. And what does God do for us? Christ dies for us while we are yet sinners. That proves God's love for us. In the name of Jesus Christ, we are forgiven. Glory to God. Amen. That is gospel. So that our worship is a response to grace. Our obedience grows out of an awareness of God's love for us. Our worship, our giving, our Serving our obedience is the expression of our desire to grow in God's grace. We long for the Lord. We hunger and thirst for righteousness, not in order to earn something, not as a payment for anything, but we yearn and we hunger and we thirst for righteousness as the fulfillment of of our potential as people who have been created in God's image and in whom that image is being constantly restored. Nowhere is that more evident than at this table. I love the old prayer of humble access that we used to pray many years ago in the old communion ritual We do not presume to come to this thy table, trusting in our own righteousness, but in thy manifold mercy. That is our prayer, isn't it? For you are the God whose property is to show mercy, that prayer says. And that is the gospel. In these days as we go through the Lenten season and we read of Jesus overturning the money changers and driving out the sacrificial animals that were for sale, I find myself praying that, Lord, that the Lord would overturn in me any notion that I must earn my way into his favor. That he would drive out from me and from us any notion that we can or should or must earn our way into his favor. And I pray that it may be replaced with a deep assurance that we are God's beloved. Sinners though we are, we are loved. And in that forgiveness, in that grace, is our life. And so, as we make our offerings this morning, I pray that none of us here have calculated how little can I give that God would be pleased. I trust that all of us give out of the abundance of all that God has given us. And especially as we come to this table and we receive these gifts, the expression of a love that exceeds all that we know, all that we can imagine. And so as our ushers come forward to receive the morning offering, we give extravagantly in response to God's grace. Let us sing our call to offertory as they come.